Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Peter. How are you doing? Not too bad, Russ. Yeah, I'm just getting over Monday night. Lovely. It's another podcast, and it's the Brighton Rock podcast, talking about the Chelsea game. Unfortunately, we have to mention it, don't we? Um, although not so downbeat in performance terms, but certainly in terms of results. Um, we'll get into that, I guess, in this, in this episode, as well as a preview of tomorrow night, as we speak, uh, Portsmouth. Uh, the Thursday night League Cup game, which is live on Sky, and Sunday's game against Newcastle, which kicks off, Peter, at, is it one thirty? Or it's two? already two, might be two. Two o'clock, yeah, which is also on live on Sky. In fact, pretty much everything is, uh, which isn't bad. Um, while we do so, we're also going to be rewarding ourselves after a hard day's work with some beers. What have you got there, Peter? Well, a Brewdog IPA with, uh, with a street dog on it, apparently, for some unknown reason. How about you? Excellent. <laughs> um, I've gone for the obvious, really. I've gone for a Japanese um, craft beer, obviously. So uh, you know, you're so predictable, Russ. <laughs> it's Kitachino or Hitachino. I can't tell because they've gone for some fancy writing on here. Uh, Kitachino Nest from the Kyuichi Brewery um, with a lovely picture of an owl on it. Very nice. Never heard of this before. Found it in Waitrose. Um, I don't normally shop in Waitrose, but I was having a bit of a moment. Um, and it says, a wit beer brewed with cor- coriander, orange peel, and nutmeg. A refreshing beer with spicy notes, a soft flavour, and mild acidity. Produced by wheat malt. So, yeah. And it's quite That's tasty. you get down the local on a Friday night, then. Absolutely. <laughs> this is an O-Stella, this one. Um, neither was our performance against Chelsea, except it was. It wasn't bad, was it? Our performance. Um, disappointed. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what I think, Peter. I think I was pretty disappointed with the result. I think we deserved a point from the game. I think the penalty, there's maybe a little bit of a question mark on. But either way, um, I just think on the balance of play, from Chelsea fans I've spoken to as well, who agreed we were the better side or thereabouts. And certainly that as such deserved a draw. But we didn't get one. We lost 3-1 at home. Uh, what did you think? I think... My my view is slightly clouded by last season. So, I mean, I, I agree with you. For the first hour, I thought we had a better team. I thought once Dunk missed his chance, I thought Chelsea put their, you know, put their foot down and actually kind of, like, controlled the game a bit after that. And they looked more likely to score a third goal than, than us score a second. And then, actually, from there, the third goal killed the game anyway. But I think if that, was, if that game was Potter's first game in charge, I would have sat there and said it was really promising. We looked, we looked good in stage. We passed the ball well. We were, we were you know, okay defensively, a couple of mistakes, but decent. But so many games last year, we said exactly the same thing as this, and the club don't seem to have learned. So, I mean, you, you can, people, anyone listens to this show will know I'm reasonably positive, but I, mm. I'm slightly worried about the words, what's coming out of the club at the moment about not needing a striker. And I know that they're not going to say we're desperate, but it suggests that they're mm. preparing for the fact that we might not get one, which in my view would be an absolute disaster, personally. Yeah, we had so many times the ball went in a box. We had no presence in there, no quality. Mm. 
in the terms of the final ball or the final cross. Obviously, losing Lana was a blow, but yeah, it was. we just didn't have the final ball and we didn't have any sort of height in there to get on the end of crosses. And then on the top of that off, the other problem we had last season, giving the ball away in stupid areas. And what, what did our first goal come from? Their first goal come from? Hello. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. it's so frustrating because there is a really, really good team there who could be the best we've ever had. But they're going to potentially continue to struggle until we sort that striker issue out. Yeah, we really do need to sort that out. And I know we talk about this all the time and, and both elements, I think, the fact that we play down expectations because we don't want to pick ourselves up and then make ourselves have more to answer for if it doesn't happen. But there is also the fact that in most seasons it doesn't happen, that we get the right striker. Uh, either we get one but he's not of suitable quality or we don't get one at all. We've had each of those situations, haven't we, to, to one degree or another. Yes, we've got more pay and more pay is great and he's going to develop. And I think this season, by the way, continuing our, our predictions, I'm actually going to pledge that he's going to score 16 goals this season, uh, which will be a remarkable increase. In league or in all competitions? I'm going to say in all competitions, though. In all competitions, yeah. Uh, which might be the same thing. Uh, our cup team, it may all be the same thing, to be honest. But... It, yeah, it could be. could be. But, I mean, he's great. He's fine. He's developing. He'll get better. But he would benefit from having, A, the opportunity to rest when he needs to, B, having a strike partner when Graham Potter would, in the fullness of a natural selection, so to speak, rather than from what he's got, would like to have another striker to play alongside him. I think um, all that, we've only literally got two strikers. Yeah, and Connolly's there, of course. Connolly's going to develop too. But, yeah, it's two, it's two strikers. We can play Trossard up top in a form of forward line, but it's not... It's not really as such. I mean, so you know, we, the only real player we could who, who can play that central in a three-man frontline role, and even yeah. he struggles a bit because he's only five foot ten or something. But he yeah. is the only player who physically can play that. Connolly mm. can't play; he's not big enough. He needs someone alongside him. So yeah, I, uh, it's so frustrating. I think the frustration is because we got that the business with Veltman and Lallana sorted so early. I think people had opt- optimism from that, and then. We've done nothing since then. I know we've you know, extended some contracts, that sort of thing, but we've literally not signed a player. Every other team has overtaken us, or most teams have, in terms of summer business. You know, like Palace are doing pretty well, Villa. Teams we might have actually reasonably expected to compete with are now kind of overtaking us again. And it's, mm. and it's not, you know, it's, I mean, I realise it's the hardest position, but we do need to, I think, I think it is down to, in a way, to Tony Bloom. And it need, he needs to either, if he's genuine about the top 10 ambition, he needs to loosen the purse strings and, and, you know, and it's easy to say with his money. And if he doesn't, he needs to come out and be honest about it and say, look, we're trying to, like, reduce costs. We're going to go with what we've got. That's, you know, that's the hmm. reality of it. We need to, you know, we've lost a lot of money over the last year. We need to be, you know, deal with it. Yeah, we don't know exactly what the financial situation is, of course. But, um, yeah, exactly. There needs to be a bit of clarity there. I mean, one thing I would say, a few people have been moaning about uh, the idea that we're not, we're just not getting out and doing it. I mean, we've had Paul Camelin up on a number of occasions to see goals over London. And the one thing he's been very keen to emphasise is that, A, the vast majority, in fact, the overwhelming majority of links, reports and information coming on in the press is absolute bullshit. It's completely made up. Or if it isn't made up, it's a very tenuous link that has no real grounds. So we have to take every single thing you see in the press with a pinch of salt. Absolutely. I mean, you have um, the Beltman. There's no mention of him anywhere into the end. Yeah, well, exactly. Whenever we sign people, it's usually after no, no fuss at all because we like to do business quietly. We like to keep it quiet, get it done. And when we have got business done, particularly when it's been good, it's been quiet. Um, so all the people that have been linked so far, we may not have been interested in at all. Yeah. The other thing Paul's always at pains to say when he comes up is, um, that the transfers are not as easy as a, a case of just Brighton want to buy this player and this player. They go for them, they offer the money, it's yes or no, and then you move on to another target. It's not as simple as that. Unfortunately, we would like it to be. I'm sure Tony would like it to be like that. But the reality is, if, for example, we want Rian Brewster, we, he's our first choice, let's say, for argument's sake, we go towards uh, Liverpool and say, right, we want to get him. What's the situation? Liverpool don't say, yeah, great, we'll, we'll take this amount and then we negotiate a price and get it sorted. What Liverpool have said is, if we have asked them, we're not sure what we're doing yet because we don't know what's happening with Origi. We're not quite sure what we're doing with Brewster himself anyway. Uh, there's other people involved, and there's a chain of other sales that go on 
maybe not even for the same positions, but there's a chain of sales going on that will release funds at certain points during the window. And unfortunately, much as we'd like to get the work done really early on, the, the agents don't because they want to spike up the prices. So they string it out as long as possible. In some cases, the players want that too. In some cases, certain clubs want that too. And they're going to pad it out so it is back-ended to the, towards when the window slams shut, as Jim White likes to say. It's always going to be pushed that way, much as we'd like it not to be. And while we continue the obit of business, and we have done a couple of early uh, bits of business this year for the first team, the reality is we've probably got our hands tied by a chain of sales um, for yeah, our first, no, we'll second, third and fourth choice. And nothing to do with the club as well, because the, the money we pay for Veltman was a clause in his contract. But Alana obviously was on a free, so both those bits of business yeah. were... Were, exactly. were down to the player only rather than the club as well. Yeah. So, yeah. That's... so I, I hope that all fans listening to this um, would appreciate that it's not a case of Brighton don't want to do the business. I'm sure they do. I'm pretty sure deep down, if they could get the right players for the right price, they would definitely do some yeah. more business. And it's undoubtedly the case that, I mean, I don't believe the whole press conference thing when Potter sits there and says, you know, I'm going to work with what I've got sort of thing. It's only that it's obviously they're not going to say they're desperate. It's just frustrating because... I think because Tony Bloom said that top 10 thing a while ago, and I know it's not this season he was necessarily talking about, I think that raised people's expectations. But until we're, I know we've loosened, notionally loosened the, the, wage, uh, the wage structure, at least this summer a bit, from what I've heard, but not massively. Um, yeah. We need to loosen it probably more if we're really going to compete yeah. in the top 10. If you look at who yeah. we're up against, if you want to finish top 10, you're looking at teams like Leicester, Everton potentially, who were around mid-table last year, they've just signed James Rodriguez, Allen, and Decore in a, in a tri- triple transfer. There's no way we're competing with that, obviously. No chance. No, and that's true. And yes, maybe that is now a longer-term plan because Newcastle situation might be changed. Everton are certainly going to spend more, and when they get the final permission and go ahead with their stadium development, they're going to become a bigger club than they already are. Um, and there might be one or two other clubs in there that we won't be able to compete with, but. You're absolutely right about, I mean, we, we identify players that we would like and we, we've had to go with what we know, but there's, there's obviously loads of players out there that we don't know about because we're not scouts with full-time uh, opportunities to go and have a look. But players I've seen and liked, Eze has gone to Palace, um, Watkins has gone to Villa, uh, Brewster rumoured to be going possibly to Palace, possibly to Sheffield United, possibly elsewhere. Can I just um, say on that, while I thought Watkins was quite a good, uh, is a, looks a good prospect the money he went for was absolutely obscene i wouldn't want to sit anywhere near that no that's right and I wouldn't either. an untried yeah. championship player who has never played the top flight yeah i mean it shows how, what good deal we got for malpay last summer yeah and i think we won't overpay on players mm. um not not willingly not knowingly anyway um and i think we can see the value of a player like watkins a lot more clearly than maybe a player who's playing in the belgian league or something like that yeah, there's and a there are some clubs who are measurements isn't there obviously going to happy to throw money around villa being a mm. classic case i mean they don't seem to have yeah. anything to worry about limiting yeah. themselves they will just waste money generally and which of course is the it's the eternal frustration isn't it for us as fans of a club that is run on the right lines it's admirable and I love it and I wouldn't want it any other way in general, but it's so damn frustrating when you see clubs like Villa throwing away, throwing money around beyond their natural means, even though they're a bigger club and they've got more general resources, perhaps. Um, they're still spending way, way above mm. that what should they should be doing. I, I think guess. I said the other day in the, in the uh, last podcast, 14 million I think they spent on Matty Cash and we spent yeah. 3 million on, on Lamptey. Yeah. You look at Lampy, Cash is good player, but Cash is not five yeah. times the player that Lampy is. If he is, they've got a hell of a signing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'll wait to see what happens with the transfer market. In the meantime, you've just mentioned there Tariq Lampy, and we'll get on to the match. First of all, my man of the match is the man we've just mentioned, Tariq Lampy. Outstanding. Even Sky um, had the, um, the good grace to bestow some praise upon something Brighton-related during their coverage of the match. They did... Um, just yes, uh, managed to uh, to give us a little bit of time. They showed a, a short highlights reel of some of the stuff Lamptey was doing in the match. Although that the was flagged with up. the he is paper Chelsea bit, so it was that yes, new Brighton. <laughs> they only mentioned it because he had a Chelsea connection. Yeah, of course. Uh, but you know, he he not makes a couple of people. He ran past people. He showed his pace, his incision, his dynamism, and his directness as well towards goal. You know, there's one bit where he not made went between two players and tried to fire off a shot at a crazy angle and it could have ricocheted through and led to something. Yeah, although I, is, that was the one when he hit their player in, in basically in their uh, 
in the unspeakables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was one area, one slight decision that probably showed his maybe maybe his youth and that sort of thing. Because I would have probably thought you better off crossing there. There are a few mm. players in the area rather than shooting from what was a pretty unlikely angle. But that's just really picking, nitpicking. I mean, he's. I don't think he's had a bad performance in the you know, six, seven performances he's, he's had for us. And he's, yeah, yeah, he's been a breath of fresh air, frankly. Yeah. And you and I didn't go to the friendly at Chelsea. So we, we haven't seen him in the flesh, which is a bizarre scenario for two season ticket holders who, um, you know, have, have seen him play for the Albion in one form for, what, seven, eight games and still not seen him in, yeah. in the flesh. But but he is he's fantastic. He's being raved about. Um, listen to a few of the other podcasts on national level and they're they're raving about him as well he was the standout guy I don't think there's any debate he was man of the match for, for me I think in terms certainly for the Albion but I think in terms of the game overall perhaps um, Conte um, obviously just really really bosses it in midfield for them uh, usually when he's playing and you know aside from that I think he was he was probably the best player on the pitch yeah um, I thought from our side the others the other ones that stood out Basuma I thought yeah, I oh yeah game Especially Again, yeah. first hour or so. I think they lost control a little bit afterwards. Chelsea kind of swarmed them in the middle a bit more last half hour. But certainly first hour, he was brilliant again. Trossard, I thought, looked really lively as well. Hmm. Um, looks really, really good. Um, and then I thought White had a really good debut as well, considering, or league debut, considering yeah, all the fuss and that sort of thing. The back, the back three did okay. I mean, the first goal, they were left exposed by a ball, poor ball by Alzada, who actually I thought had a good game as well, despite hmm. one, obviously, one mistake. Second goal, well, you could argue, and I would argue we should have closed him down, but you can't expect a guy who hasn't got Premier League goals to have scored a goal like that. And the third one was a bit of a bit of a fluke for it. I thought other than that, we defended pretty well, generally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I think Alzate, yeah, it was unfortunate. He's not the first, he's not the second, uh, possibly not the third to have made that mistake of receiving the ball and then making, you know, just making a foolish pass. It was, it was completely blind, wasn't it? He... He fell into the classic trap of playing a ball blind, not knowing who was there. You've got to, if you are going to receive the ball in that in that deep position, you've got to yeah. have a quick check over your shoulder before you do so, so you can see what's happening. If in doubt, play it into a, a less dangerous position, so there's more recovery time. Or just play it back to Ryan, yeah. Play it back to Ryan and let him hoof it in the end. If we have to, we have to. Uh, yeah, That's it was a bit of a shame. The, the only other criticism I'd have of Alzate, I don't think he was, he was at his best, but I do still think he had a reasonably good game, was I, there is a question mark as to whether he could have closed down the shot that came later in the match. I think he was, he was the nearest man. I think he was um, possibly able to have given it another 5 or 10% effort to try and close down. Um, it's I think it has to be said he's not played since February, even January. He wasn't playing that much really just before because of his injury. And he didn't play after lockdown. So he's, he's not played for at least six, seven months or something like that. So you can understand why there'd be a bit of rustiness in that situation, I think. It's been a... Yeah, to be fair, it is difficult, isn't it, in that, in that scenario? And they only had um, like two friendlies, unlike normal. Yeah. Well, I mean, my assessment of the game overall was we were the better side in the first half. The goal was scored against the run of play. We've discussed the mistake already that happened there. Um, aside from that, of course, the other big incident that happened if you can call it that during the first half was Lalana uh, going down with an injury the reports of it maybe being a hamstring subsequent reports reports of it maybe it was just cramp we're not quite sure where the truth lies with that one however we do know that um, I think from statements today from Potter it's been that uh, both him and White who we'll mention a little bit more about later uh, are potentially available for the weekend game at Newcastle on Sunday um, that probably makes them doubtful as well. However, it's especially given Albion's worse. injury history and uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're out for a couple of days. Means we'll see you next year. Yeah, no, um, it's I'm hoping that isn't just rhetoric. I'm hoping that is generally the case that they are, if not available for Newcastle, then available soon after. Um, it, they looked like they didn't look particularly awful injuries, but sometimes those can be the worst, can't they? They look innocuous. It doesn't look like anything serious. Boom, next thing you know, six months has gone. Um, in contrast, I think Walton, apparently, he's, he's struggling with his. It might be might be worse than first hoped, um, which is a shame, and might suggest that Sanchez gets one of the three spots in our goalkeeping squad. Well, they might even season. include all four of them if, they're, if they've got short of numbers on the squad. Yeah, anyway, true. They've got probably a few who won't have to be in the squad because they're yeah, yeah. So they may but, well um, keep all four of them. 
Yeah. So Lalana came off, and we obviously obviously we put on um, um, Connolly, who came on. Uh, so it's a little bit of a change of shape initially there. What what do you make of that? Because I think Lalana was having a pretty good impression on the, in the match. He was linking stuff up nicely. As I said, we were the better side in that first half. We created some decent opportunities of sorts. Um, maybe nothing as clear-cut as we would have liked. But he seemed to be driving things, along with Basuma, as you mentioned earlier, and uh, to an extent, Alzate. Would you say that's fair? And how much of a blow was it to lose uh, Lalana at that point, which was after 36 minutes, was it? Yeah, something like that. I mean, it's obviously, yeah, it's not ideal. He obviously was picked for the as first choice, so it's obviously not a good thing to lose him. I didn't really think Connolly particularly did much, so obviously not ideal in that sense. Yeah, I thought Lalana did okay. I didn't think he was anything particularly spe- special. I didn't think he like, kind of did anything amazing, but I thought he did okay. It's, I mean, that's yeah. the frustration. We we look dangerous, but the one chance we really created that first half was Malpe's header from Lamptey's cross, which he should have done better with, and he kind of just hit him. But other than that, we didn't create what I would call, despite all the possession, we had about 50... 59% possession or something ridiculous like that yeah. against Chelsea in the first half. And despite all that, we didn't really create the final ball. wasn't that great. Chelsea looked a bit all over the place at the back at times, but we didn't take advantage. And mm. yeah, and it's, it was the same as so many times last season that, you know, it looks really nice to watch. It's like really pretty football. The game was actually quite an interesting game, but you come away thinking we could have got something from that. I know it's Chelsea mm. and I know they've obviously, but they obviously were without four of their keys, their signings. Um, or three or four of their signings, and yeah, so they were a pretty poor defensively, I thought, generally. And Kepa's obviously a liability, gent. People will kind of seem to think, and yeah. we could have got something in that game, and probably I think, given the way we played, should have done. But because of our missing the chances we've got, not making the most of the positions we got into, and silly mistakes, we didn't, didn't, you know. Mm. And obviously, we were unlucky with the second mm. goal. I mean, the odds are that you know, Reese James hits another like 10 of those this season, none of them will go in. So, yeah, you mean the ones against Southampton and Palace and Burnley and yeah, West Ham and Fulham and West Ham. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, know. the odds are that that's, you know, you could argue about luck, you could argue we should have closed him down. Um, mm. Or you could argue that it was just the quality Chelsea have. But even then, we should have equalised with Dunkey's header. I mean, that's you can't miss chances like that. That was a... Yeah, I mean, he said after the game that uh, he'd seen it coming in plenty of, plenty, so there was plenty of time to adjust. I think it looked to me like he got his footwork a little bit wrong. I think he needed to adjust his body slightly more to, to make that header. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you've really got to bury those chances. And it was a guilt-edged opportunity, wasn't it? Um, what happened was we'd, we'd gone that goal down to the mistake, which led to a penalty. Uh, Alzati received the ball, played it blind, gave the ball away. Timo Werner ran onto the loose ball uh, from the interception. And Matt Ryan started to close in. He then stopped himself, checked into a, sta- a stationary position and Werner went over his knee. Apparently there was a clash of knees, according to Werner, and he had uh, ice on his leg as he was getting interviewed later on. Maybe, maybe not. He did go, he was already going down, wasn't he? Do you think it was a harsh penalty, by the way? For that first I, I thought at the time, although no one's really talked about it, because obviously it's Chelsea, so um, no one really... Yeah, didn't get a second discussion, did it? ...to mention it, no, but... No I, VAR. I thought, I thought he could have easily stayed in his feet. If there was contact, it was very, very minimal. I actually genuinely think, although I'm being conspiracy theorist, that we wouldn't have got that as a penalty. No, I agree. And I think it was I think it was soft. I think there was a remarkable lack of VAR presence in the decision making there. We didn't see any of the graphics. Um I assume it was looked at, um, but we you know, there was far less time spent on it than there would have been last season. That's part of a new remit, I think, by the FA and the the referees association and so on however it seemed almost too quick the decision it wasn't given enough scrutiny that one um the ref had called it he said it was a pen and i'd imagine what's happened is the var guys had just said not a clear error uh, no, nothing yeah. to see here no need to come and see the video monitor so there we go and then Jorginho put in not a particularly convincing penalty but he, he had sent ryan the wrong way one nil uh, and as you said that we've discussed the other elements in the first half we played well Morpay didn't have his best game, unfortunately, and that cross with Lamptey should have done better with it. Um, other than that, there weren't many incidents in the game, I don't think, in the first half. Um, I think it was it was pretty even overall. And we went into that second half a bit down about Lalana having gone off, but apart from that, still pretty optimistic. The starting lineup, by the way, had been Ryan in goal and then a back five, well, a three plus two wing back. So we had 
White, Dunk and Webster um, as the centre-backs with Lamptey and Solly March in as a wing-back, no Dan Byrne. The midfield have been Lana, of course, replaced by Connolly. It says on the BBC side, 45 minutes, but I'm pretty sure he came on during the first half. Um, definitely, yeah. Yeah, Basuma and Alzate, who was later replaced by Jahan Match, and Morpé and Trossard in a loose sort of front two arrangement. Um, the other substitution was Grush, who came on on 79 minutes for White, uh, who unfortunately also went off with an injury. Um, hopefully nothing serious. Um, ben White himself, good game, I thought. Yeah, Settle he did in, okay. some good um, tackles. I, th- I think the defence did pretty well generally. I don't, again, I said it's like they were, they were completely exposed by the Alzate era for the first goal. Second goal was, I mean, it's a midfield if anyone has to like kind of close him down. Although you could argue maybe with three centre-backs, maybe one of them mm. could have been a bit further forward and a bit nearer to, to Jane because he was quite, you know, he wasn't that far away from the edge of the area. So maybe... Maybe with the third centre back, one of them could go out and try and and go and win. No one else is going out and competing. But again, that's just a, that's something will come with time. And then the third yeah. was just unlucky. So I thought the defence as a whole, the three of them all did pretty well, barring obviously Dunkey's uh, miss header. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think White looks like he's settling into it quite nicely. Um, I think there was a couple of slide tackles they did as well, some blocks and a couple of bits of reading the play, which I thought was particularly good. One of the slide tackles he did when, I can't remember who it was, was breaking down the right side. He came into the the left centre-back position, intercepted and cleared it. I've got a feeling that might be when he picked up the injury because it was only about a minute, yeah, it was, a minute yeah. and a half later that he went off. So I think he may be, um, be hyper-extended or something like that, maybe, and, and got himself a bit stretched. Um, hopefully it's nothing serious, but he, yeah, he's settling into his stride nicely. Solly at left wing back, um, I thought he had a reasonably good game. I mean, he even in the criticism that lots of people have of him, final ball, I thought he was um, showing a little bit more industry in that regard. He was getting forward. He, he seemed to beat his man a little bit more. There seemed to be a bit more confidence. A um, couple of bits were dangerous. I think it was him that crossed for Connolly, who put it into the near side netting, didn't he, as well? I think that was, that was March. So he was getting forward. Um, and I think doing a pretty decent job, looking a little bit more like the old Solly, would you say? Yeah, my 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 thinking is I think I, we just still look a little lopsided with those two as wing backs because mm-hmm. the pace that um, pace that Lamptey's got and the quality yeah, it does show up the difference. It does show it? up the difference, and <laughs> yeah. it's the way he beat his man so regularly. Solly just has the confidence to do that most of the time, and mm. it. I still think we could really do with a left wing back. Don't get me wrong. If we were, if I was told now that we're going to bring in a striker who make a difference and no one else, I'd take it. But I mm. still think we could ideally do with those two additions. Yeah, score. agreed. And I think, and it would be um, to be another option further forward as well. He could be a front three option then as well, and that's true. You know, off the yeah. bench and as a kind of like a general kind of used around the you know all over the pitch. Yeah, I mean, I'd, ideally, I'd love to have Rico Henry, and I think he would be good from the options available now in terms of who's there that might be good for a step up. Unfortunately, Brantford have made it very clear that apart from Watkins, who's gone to Villa, and Ben Rama, who's going to dot, 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 question mark, um, no one else is um, going to be available for sale. So it sounded quite comprehensive, their statement. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Um, So it doesn't sound like if we are interested in him and we've been linked, uh, it doesn't sound like it will be happening in this window. Uh, But we do, yeah, it does feel like we could do with a right, a, a, a proper... Uh, quality left wing back, doesn't it? That would be um, kind of clone Lamptey and make him let, uh, his clone left footed. That would be ideal. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, two one on each flank would be a uh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If we could clone him, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so in the second half, yeah, I mean, we we got underway. We were still playing quite well. Um, we managed to get the goal, didn't we? Uh, we Trossard, uh, a man, by the way, Roger Bevan, chairman of Seagulls Over London, the organisation who sponsor us, uh, I should mention as well. So uh, check out Seagulls Over London on www.seagullsoverlondon.com if you want to find out more. Well, chairman Roger um, was a bit disappointed we didn't mention Mr Trossard in our preview show uh, last week. Uh, he's a, he's a favoured player of his. Um, it's true, we didn't, so a bit of an oversight. He was very good after lockdown, wasn't he? I think, and 
uh, you know, he's he's made his contribution in this match. A yeah, good he goal. Yeah, season last year with five goals, and obviously, yeah, we had yeah. this season and, and six assists as well. I think that's Just right. Yeah, in and out with injury and that sort of thing, and you know, after a, a decent start, was pretty good. I thought. Yeah, and he scored a good goal. A lot was said about Kepa. Uh, maybe he should have done more with it. In fact, they were adamant. Everybody, every pundit was adamant, including the commentator Tyler at the time, that he should have done better with the ball. Uh, maybe slightly harsh, I think. I don't. I think it's one of those that if it's not Kepper, if it's Edison, he, yeah. he probably gets the benefit of the doubt. But because yeah. it's Kepper and everyone's out to get him, scrutiny's on it, him already. Kind of, yeah, yeah, it's you know, the ones that are kind of. It's like people with Matt Ryan, and people say, well. You know, there's people who actually don't, who actually genuinely don't seem to rate him, and they will literally say, "Well, you know, he could have done better with this." And you're like, "It's right in the corner. How did you? Oh, well, a yeah. keeper could have done better with that." You know. Yeah, I mean, from a shooting point of view, people, you know, people post on places like North. Absolutely. From, from a shooting point of view, Trossard hit it with pace and a bit of zip and bounce as it landed, as it zipped across just before it reached him into the very corner of the goal. He couldn't yeah. have got it more placed. Yeah, if that so, was Edison uh, or Allison, they'd have been like, "Well, fair enough." You know. Yeah. It was a you know really good shot, but because it's mm. yeah a keeper who's under under scrutiny and never been. I mean, this fellow's yeah. never rated by Chelsea fans even when he joined, so mm. they're, they're looking and, like to criticise him. Yeah, I mean, looking at Kepper, I do I can see it from both sides. Chelsea fans will be annoyed that he let that slip in. Um, Brighton fans will be pleased that he hit a hard shot towards the corner and it went in. <laughs> it's the same yeah. same thing from two different sides. For us, well, it's, it's a bit good. like you know, a, obviously they'll be ecstatic about Reese James, whereas we can say well he should have been closed down a bit. Doesn't mean it yeah. wasn't a excellent goal, but Chelsea fans mm. won't be thinking that, but we would be. Yeah, but for me, thumbs up to Trossard. It was excellent. And Tariq Lamptey gets the assist. He laid the ball off. It was a pretty, pretty regulation pass. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't but exactly it... difficult to see. <laughs> yeah, but uh, nonetheless, thumbs up to him for that. Um, he goes on to the assists list for the it, season. Assist, if, he'd, if he'd assisted Malpe's goal in the first half, that would have been a, gone in. Yeah. That would have been a lot better assist than the one there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, of course, we should mention also, speaking about Trossard, that it was his uh, assist for Dunk's effort as well. It was a great ball into the box, really well distributed. And as we've already said, Dunk should have buried that one. Um, so what had happened was, yeah, Trossard had scored. We were all had our tails up. We thought we had the justice we deserved. Possible question mark on the penalty. Definitely on the balance of play, we should be level. We got the equaliser. Great. Everything's fine for about 50 seconds <laughs> or something like that. When Reese James has that that wonder strike, I mean, it was a cracking shot, wasn't it? Definitely it goal great, of the month. Yeah. It's got to be, hasn't it? Um, and, and a contender beyond that as well. His first Premier League goal, so annoying it's against us, but congratulations to him. I don't think there's much we could have done about it. Certainly once the ball left his foot, that was it. Ryan was getting nowhere near that. No one was getting anywhere near that. Yeah, goal. no question. Nothing we can do about that. Yeah, and that was the sucker punch that really ended things for us, wasn't it? The dunk effort came, was it at 2-1? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was just it, after. It was like literally just after that, wasn't it? So it's almost a sequence of three goals in a row, but unfortunately we couldn't put that away. And I think that the Reese james goal and that dunk miss were the, were the dual turning points of the match. Um, it petered out a bit for us from there. We carried on trying, fair play to us. In the end, it went to 3-1 with was a pretty tame goal. Annoying, actually, because Zuma hit the shot, I wouldn't say half-heartedly, but it didn't really have, well, it certainly didn't have the earnest of a Reese James shot, anyway. And Ryan had that pretty comfortably covered. Unfortunately, in the heat of the moment, split-second decision-making, uh, Adam Webster had to decide whether to stick his foot out and try and affect the angle. He did, but to our detriment, um, sending Ryan the wrong way. And it just trickled in. It was messy goal uh very disappointing and that killed the game didn't it really uh yeah i mean 3-1 was always gonna be a bit of a bit too much you know 2-1 you're still in the game even though chelsea were on top at that point you're still in the game but 3-1 is yeah game over yeah i mean well, yeah it, it, it was a, it was a poor it was a, a poor unlucky goal to concede but frustrating we gave i mean zuma had like a reasonable amount of space to to shoot and we shouldn't have given him that space and yeah. then it was a poor shot to see when we should have got away yeah. with it but we didn't. So in summary, uh, it's a mixture of a little bit of bad luck and we could have made things count a bit more ourselves yeah. as well, I think. But it is so reminiscent of last year. I mean, so many games mm. we went to and that's what worries me. We've not learned mm. from last year. Yes, I mean, we got Lalana in, hopefully make a difference there, but going forward, mm. but we haven't got the big striker in. We haven't, you know, learned that maybe sometimes you can, you can get rid of the ball rather than just playing it around. Yeah. 
And I don't mean I want to hoof it upfield all the time. I just mean no. sometimes you've got to be willing to just, you know, kind of maybe you know, take kind of not, you know, or go back to the heap and then they'll hoof it upfield or whatever. Alzate yeah, should not have done that. Yeah, a lot of our shots, a lot of our play was quite sharp and incisive and on the front foot, it was quite um, snappy, um, particularly in that first half. I thought we actually did all of the groundwork and the, the approach play, the build-up was, was decent and neutral. Well, the middle third, looked, us on that. since Potter's been here, the middle third, we've looked as good as almost yeah. anyone outside the top six, yeah. probably, probably as good as anyone. Absolutely. And, a, and apart from defensive... Third. But those 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 mistakes passing out from the back. If you take those out, the defence is good too. And yeah, it's the final third. As you said, we were, we were relying on the likes of Lalana to try and give us that extra little bit of incision and creativity. Those those clever balls into the final third to help us. Yes, we need another striker to help be on the end of those. But I mean, we've obviously got to be a bit worried about Lalana because despite what everyone said about him being injured, he's had nine nine league games in three seasons. A lot of that is just due to being out of favour in a very, very good squad. He hasn't had an awful lot of injuries in the last three years, and yet that myth is, as far as it is a myth, is going to get reinforced by the fact that yeah. I've got an injury after thirty-six under, minutes, under one half, less than a half. Yeah, so. yeah. So that was that was frustrating. But say in the absence of Lalana, let's say he is out for longer than we think, uh, do we have hope that Alzate? McAllister, who apparently had a niggle, I think, which is why he was left out of the squad. That's not what um, I've, I've seen. That he um, Potter say that he was just left out for tactical reasons. He wanted more of a balance on the bench. Oh right, okay. Oh, that's Maybe interesting. I haven't called that. Hmm. Well, I mean, with with McAllister, with Alzate, with Trossard, do we need to see those players step up as well? Because whether Lalana stays fit or not, we've got to have other resources as well, haven't we, to supply that forward line? Yeah, exactly. We need some. We need some other players to step up. Hopefully, Trossard will even more so than last season. Hopefully, yeah, the midfield will offer more as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's we. But we do need that extra player to get on the end of it, and it's yeah, hmm. it's so frustrating because ninety nine percent of it is that, or ninety percent of it is there. It's hmm. just that yeah. one. Yeah, that's it. Would you would you be happy if I don't think we're we're in for him? Unfortunately, the player I've been singing the praises of for ages, Ben Rama, uh, he's been linked with West Ham earlier in the window. He's now getting linked with Palace, which is rather alarming because with Eze already there, another player I like. Last thing we bloody want is is uh, Ben Rama going there too. Would someone like him benefit no, us I, in, in the situation we're in? Because we've got. I, I did wonder about that originally, but looking at looking at um, Monday, I do think we need someone with more presence. A mm. bit more strength, big, uh, taller than six foot. Even if it is just literally to, um, you know, come on for half an hour at the end to change things, we do need someone with a bit more strength and still yeah. a bit more height up front. I don't think, yeah, originally I had thought maybe a kind of an alternative, you know, maybe another Malpay just to get another 10 goals. But yeah, I do think yeah. we just need, with Murray having gone, that extra, that extra height up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, of the game on Monday, Brighton manager Graham Potter told BBC Sport the performance was good in many aspects. We more than matched Chelsea for long periods. I'm disappointed with the opening goal, but errors can happen. We were heavily punished with a wonder strike. And ultimately, if you can see three times, it's hard to win football matches. You have moments against the big teams that you need to have go your way. And we need to learn from that. But there are positives. Adam Lallana was enjoying the game. He brings that personality. We are pleased with what he has brought to us. And we have just, um, and we just have to help him get on the field more often. And Chelsea manager Frank Lampard, also to BBC, said to come to Brighton and win is a tough ask. We've only had a few days, so I didn't expect the kind of football we want to play. We had to do some of the more difficult things: resilience, throwing yourself in front of the ball. So I'm pleased. We've had a lot of quarantines. A lot of players aren't match fit. That's how the season has started. There's a lot of a strain on these players, and hopefully we'll get better and better. I mean, that, that last sentence there actually does link a little bit to, to my disappointment, which is that Chelsea will get better and better as the season goes on. It was the ideal time to play them yeah. before those players get but into their stride. It felt like it for an hour. Yeah. It felt like it. And, and that's yeah. the big disappointment, isn't it? I mean, Kai Havertz, who's going to be yeah, a great player, I'm sure we'll, really we'll see him. All, yeah. He's, he's going to get wax lyrical about during match of the day analysis later in the season. But yeah, he didn't look, he looked very indifferent. He maybe yeah, didn't yeah. look match sharp. Obviously and he had that like wonderful... Silver and um, Chilwell were all out. They didn't have the new keeper they're looking to buy, who presumably will yeah, become number that's, one. That's Owen right, yeah. Great so yeah, um, they looked frail. They looked, they looked beatable. And that's the frustration that we didn't have 
that extra player to, to unlock them better. Yeah. And also that we made silly mistakes that in, you know, you know, nil-nil, we made a really silly mistake mm. gift from the goal. And well, well, Kai Havertz cross-field pass in his own half that went straight out of play was, was a wonder to behold, wasn't it? I, I absolutely loved it. Absolutely full, full quality class, 70, what is he, 79 mil? <laughs> Um, I'm being a little harsh because that was, as you said, early days. But um, you know, it is—it's a bit of a disappointment um, that we couldn't have taken more of an opportunity there. Um, more pay in, in general. I know he didn't have the best of games. Conversion rate—we've got to improve that. He had ninety, I think, something like ninety-five shots on goal last season, um, which is a lot of goals. Quite a few of them on target, and yet his his goal tally was ten. Ten, if you look at it in isolation, good figure for a, a new. Uh, up-and-comer to the Premier League. Um, not bad. However, we do need to improve his conversion rate. I think that's one of the points to make. And in regard to Ryan, um, we, we looked at a graphic that came on the screen on Sky's coverage that he's the second worst for goals conceded from shots outside the box uh, behind Kepa. <laughs> um, third in line is apparently, I think it is... Um, uh, Jordan Pickford. So they're all kind of they're, they're not so tall goalies. Kepa's so he's tall, isn't it? Kepa's reasonably tall, but not especially, I don't think. And obviously Ryan's about six foot, so is Jordan Pickford. Is there something to read? It's into a that? very one-eyed view of it, really, to give stats like mm. that. Because A, I think, you know, obviously there's a lot of goalkeepers who haven't played the last three seasons. You know, mm. Ryan's played probably more games in that time than almost any keeper than, you know, in the Premier League. Um, a lot of teams haven't been in the Premier League all that all those three seasons, so a lot of teams have gone down or come up. So we'll have considered less goals, and also yeah. it ignores the fact that he's. I think his stats in terms of one on one and that sort of thing are like the best in the Premier League. So it's a very one, yeah. you know, kind of one eyed view of it, and it yeah, it's, it's and it causes it, people it? that don't help the situation because it includes it encourages the people on North Stand chat yeah. and places like that to say we need a new keeper when actually it's not it's not the case. Yeah. Ryan, I don't think so. Like, I might be changing. Personally. There's always better players. Whoever you've got, there's always better players. Even at Barcelona, when they've got the likes of Messi, there's probably somebody in the squad they could probably improve with somebody else um, in the height of their of their fame. But the reality is it's not a priority position. We've been linked with Martinez. I'm sure that was all just hot air to either by us or by the agent or by somebody to, to, to make Villa pay more money uh, for him. But, I mean, the final word for me, I mean, I, I had to mention it because... Uh, Obviously, it got flagged up in, in, and talked about quite a bit. The final word for me on the match was central midfield. Um, on the post-match chat on Seagulls over London, uh, we were talking about the central midfielder's ability in this match, as compared with last season, to make more space and or to glide past opponents. So for once, it meant that we didn't have to use the width as much. We could vary our tactics more. So we had more of an impact, more of a, a presence and a threat just simply going through the central part of the pitch. Um, I don't know if you'd agree with that or not. Um, I thought an interesting observation. Yeah, I can see the yeah, I can see the logic there. I think mm. yeah, I think I'm quite excited by the um, I know yeah. I was last I gave it away. I'm pretty excited yeah. by the, that pairing in midfield. Yeah, coupled with the sharper, incisive passing we were talking about, and yeah, Alzate actually. Hopefully, see Malumbi tomorrow as well. Yeah, I'm hoping to see him. I mean, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a scratch squad, isn't it? But uh, the fact that we've got um, coverage on Sky, it's going to be a nice, interesting chance to have a look at them. One quick it's word been, on Alzate. I was going to say he had a shot, a cracking shot on goal as well, which was well yeah. saved. You Although that was, that was one it. that Kepa really should have saved. I mean, it was he had to, yeah. Nice. But nonetheless, it's good to see him having a go. Actually, I think Alzate is one who gets a goal. He'll start getting a few more. He just needs to get exactly. that first goal. Yeah, was yeah. it his debut at Newcastle? He had one just allowed for offside, and he's, he's come close on a number of occasions. Yeah. Never quite yeah, got a goal. Right. I think if he gets one, especially if he's further forward now in midfield, I think he'll he'll start getting more. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, um, it's been a good week for the rest of the Albion teams. The under twenty three's got a decent one all draw with Spurs, and Teddy Jenks scored for us, who's a really highly rated midfielder who's who's coming really on nicely, isn't he now? And um, Getting amongst the goals as well just is a bonus too. Really respectable, respectable result there. And Albion's women, who beat Birmingham two 0 in the first match of the season, um, got. I saw the highlights of this actually after um, match of the day two. I think it was. Um, they showed the highlights of all the women's games. So I, I quickly flicked through to the Albion's game. They're playing Man City away. They got a goalless draw, 
brilliant, brilliant result That's because result, City yeah. have spent a fortune. It's it's like the men's team now. They're yeah, Alex Green and Ron have both gone back to them from Leon or yeah. whatever. Won the European Cup. Best of British, again. yeah. And yeah, yeah, they, yeah they they did brilliantly. And also, I mentioned to the Albion men's under 18s as well. who got a draw against Chelsea. Were pretty yes. dominant at that level as well. Yeah, yeah, the that's right. Teams were pretty much, we did buy the best under 18s around the country and then hmm. fit them in a team and then sell them off to somebody or loan them out, and then sell them off. So yeah, I mean, yeah. that's a hell of a result as well. So they're all, yeah, everyone's doing. Yeah, positive. Well. Set the men's positive first teams. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Uh. <laughs> but no, that, I mean, that's good. It's good to see those those sides doing well. Thumbs yeah. up to all of them and may it continue. Albion women actually look like they're really settling into it this year. They've, there's been a few changes coming and going. Um, but four points out of six and getting City away out, out of the way. That's a brilliant start, I think, for them. Um, so, so good news all round. Um, looking ahead, we mentioned a little bit, touched on it slightly. Uh, Pompey. Brighton are playing Pompey in the League Cup, Carabao Cup, as they call it at the moment. Second round, tomorrow night as we speak, which is Thursday night, uh, evening kickoff. Uh, we are going to, the winners are going to play Preston, who won 2-1 away at Derby last night, Tuesday night. Um, we're at home to Pompey. We're going to obviously have a weakened squad from what we had uh, on Monday. Um, I don't know, who, who do you think is going to line up here and how are we going to do? Pompey are going to have a fairly strong the... team on. 11 changes probably, but I imagine it still mm. would be pretty strong. I mean, if you look we at the mentioned players, Lumbee, they've, didn't we? they've got available Steele, who presumably playing goal. Um, they've got Veltman, they've got Byrne, and they've got Bernardo, presumably in defence. Probably Roberts yeah. maybe making up the numbers there. Midfield, yeah. you've got like Malumbi, Stevens, Proper, which is a pretty good combination. Further forward, maybe like Grosh, Jahanbach, and Connolly. Uh, maybe yeah. McAllister. So they've got a lot of options. Well, that sounds like a senior team, more or less. Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I don't imagine. Yeah. I, I imagine he won't go for what he did against Villa last year and play the mm. third eleven because yeah. most of our players need the practice and need the game time. Yeah, so, I agree uh, with that. And I, I think the resource is different this year. We've, we've got. Um, I think we've got less options to choose from, yeah. given that we've still got to fill the twenty-three squads and the eighteens as well. Um, it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, I'm, I'm glad it's on Sky because often. Yeah. Our League Cup second round games are not on Sky. Our League Cup third round games don't exist more often than not, unfortunately. But <laughs> um, but it's going to be good to see if we can get the win. We, there's every chance with the squad you just mentioned, we should be able to win the match. Um, it's against our old friends Portsmouth. Haven't played them for a while. As I said, game against Preston in the next round, should we win, I'll be watching. Um, it's be an incredible prize at stake for the winner. Yeah. Any predictions on the game? I'm, I'm going to go 2-1 win. we that team and not like... A... And not like go for the third choice, a lot of youngsters like they did last year. They're two-one Albion. I think it'll be yeah. close. I think it might be quite a late winner, but because obviously it takes time for a team like that to get used to playing to each other. Whereas yeah. Portsmouth will probably play their first team and be, you know, kind of know each other that quite well. So I go for probably two-one Albion. Maybe. Right. So, so we're agreed. Same scoreline. Yeah, we'll see. We we'll have to get some money on this. I think. <laughs> um, Actually, speaking of my predictions recently, maybe go against it. <laughs> speaking of predictions and mentioning Seagulls Over London again, we have a competition called Predict Addict, um, which we've got quite a few entrants for our Seagulls Over London membership. And Pete Richardson, who's a regular listener, hello, Pete, um, not only has won both years that we've run this competition, but in this particular year, he's finished joint top in the entire country, I think, well, presumably in the world. Um, something like 58,000 people competing, I think, or something like that. I'm not sure if I got the figures right. But he was joint top in the country, which is insanely good. Um, what chance have we got to win in the competition, Peter? No chance at all, have we? I mean, given my... Yeah, I don't think I've got any chance of winning anything, to be honest. <laughs> um, on other matters... Quite right, let alone anything else. <laughs> I, I did horrendously badly on that one. Good in our WhatsApp competition, but badly in that one, unfortunately. Um, so a couple of other quick things. The programme, first of all, I, I signed up just in time to meet the deadline for getting my programme in time for the match against Chelsea. Uh, I received it this morning, Wednesday morning, so not quite, guys. Secondly, we haven't got a proper spine. It's got this gone back to the normal, just stapled spine. Like how been teams in the past. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're spineless. Um, and also, we're not, we don't seem to have the Spencer Vignus fantastic um, retro section in there. Not as good as usual, same price as normal. I'm going to let it slide for now because we're in this unusual situation. I'm assuming resources have been cut on a temporary basis um, and I'll forgive the late delivery as well. However, 
I'm hoping we're going to get the proper squared off spine back for next season or when matters go back to normal. Just thought I'd mention that one. Um, one other thing for me as well, Peter, uh, Bellerin of Arsenal. I don't know if you've noticed he's been in the news over the last week or two. Of course, he famously talked about planting a load of trees if Arsenal get wins and so on and so forth. He is very green-minded. Um, he's a vegan and he's got involved with the club that is the most obvious club to get involved with in some form or other in those sensibilities, which is Forest Green Rovers, the club we've, we've visited for a, a tick-off of our, our 92 um, in the past, haven't we, on the same day, Peter? But yeah. Bellerin's got a minor stake in the club uh, because he loves what they're doing. Um, they are officially the greenest club, I think, in the world. Um, they've been voted, I think it was, um, by FIFA. And they are very commendable. Lots of great stuff. Curiously, they're hoping to get an all-wooden stadium as a new stadium to move into, which obviously would be fireproof, no doubt. Um, plans afoot for that. Bellerin's so. got involved. Interesting stuff. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's laudable. It's a really good thing. If you've got hmm. principles like that sort of way and you want to help a club out, that's great. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. I mean, while Barcelona are interested in signing him as a player, he's he's obviously got his moral compass well set up. Um, yeah, it's an and, interesting one, though. What happens if Forest Green climbed the table a bit and, you know, yeah. to move up, or if they played Arsenal in the Cup? That's exactly, the one. yeah. Interesting yeah. question. Apparently, I think if you if you have less than thirty percent stake, it is deemed as a conflict of interest, according to the English um, authorities. I think that's right. Um, I heard somewhere, but yeah, it's it's getting towards that, isn't it? It's a little bit of a curiosity. We'll have to see. Um, but yeah, commendable for him. Uh, thumbs up. Uh, the only well, other thing. Slightly mention... sad on a much sadder note. Um, yeah. Today we had very sad news about Macclesfield. Yeah, yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, Peter, tell us, tell us more. Uh, they've been, I think, officially wound up by the High Court today, haven't they? Because yeah. of the outstanding debts, their current owner tried to get them to extend the, to the court to extend the time, but they refused to do that. And uh, hmm. yeah, it's another absolute disgrace of um, yeah, of the, from the football league and from the everyone involved. And yeah, yeah. And the figure deep. being quoted is five hundred thousand. The debt which is the exact same figure someone pointed out on WhatsApp that Gareth Bale gets per week in the deal that they're currently squabbling over between Real Madrid and, and Tottenham. Sorry, not squabbling over, negotiating over. Um, he, could, he could sort that out in one week <laughs> if he wanted to. That's the difference between the top and the bottom of yeah. English professional football. Um, Mac, obviously, one of the only clubs I haven't actually visited, um, but they, they got relegated... Uh, well, in instalments because they were going to survive. It looked like it was going to be South End, and and then it ended up being Macclesfield on the basis that additional points deductions were appointed. To yeah, them they were after the initial points deductions, and then yeah. the football league because they're. I have no idea why they would do that because they're probably because they're arseholes appealed the decision, and then. <laughs> I mean, you do wonder yeah. about whether these this, this football league wants clubs to go bust at some point whether they're actively yeah. pushing clubs out of business. I mean, they, they screwed over Berry. They've done the same for Macclesfield now by pushing them out of the league. Yeah, I, yeah I, they're, they're basically I, a bit of bureaucrats who don't care about football and they should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. I, I call into question a sizable amount of what all of the various bodies, the EFL, the FA in particular, we have to look and others well. Yeah. You know, yeah. They made. There was no attempt to support the, you know, the fans against an owner who was clearly running the club into the ground. It was all about deducting points for protesting and, you know, how yeah. many and that sort of thing. And it's, yeah. They and just, a club like Macclesfield, they just don't, they're not going to attract big investors, even by League Two standards, as they were last season. They're, you know, they're a small fry, aren't they? And unfortunately, that means... happening, you know. Another club who yeah. obviously being screwed over by the Football League now, Wigan, you know. And yeah. The way they've been treated. Funny enough, though, big club Sheffield Wednesday get their points deduction next season or this season now, and I probably will survive because they've already won one yeah. game, so they probably like to end up surviving. Whereas, funny enough, Wigan get theirs last season. Yeah, they're not it's... a big club, and somehow, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they'll argue con artists circumstances. That it was why it happened, but it's yeah, funny how long... you get away with stuff, and the, the smaller yeah. clubs don't. I wouldn't want to comment, but other than to say there might be other circumstances involved, you can't have a oh, I'm sure they, straight I'm sure line. They'd have a, However, a reason. But it's it funny how the clubs who, who have got a bigger history and have attracted 40,000 fans yeah. against it in the old days that survived last season, whereas the one who 
or maybe are probably on the way down anyway and have a, yeah. you know, struggled. And have now lost all their players this summer pretty much after having a brilliant second half of last season. Yeah. In relation to that, I guess a little bit of good news, at least on a very small level, is that Southend have had, I think it's the fourth referral of their winding up petition. So they, they get a stay of execution. I mean, I guess proportionally Southend are a, a higher profile club than Macclesfield and maybe that makes a difference as well according to what you were just saying Peter I don't know um, but certainly I'm sure there's reasons behind all of this and there's legal yeah. and that sort of thing that apply that they can say well this is why this happened but it does seem yeah. funny how you know it's like especially when we were in a championship and we were like struggling with you know eight eight nine thousand people coming in at Wivdean and the bottom yeah. budgets and these teams like Leicester and Derby who've got big history turned up with their you know they're just all their very expensive players having just been administration and, you know, kind of like just basically kind of paid off all their credit, not to pay their creditors off and still turned up with ladies, you know, heavily, you know, Derby turned up with Ravenelli or whatever afterwards. Yeah, it does make you sick, quite frankly, yeah. when that, that sort of thing happens. So, so we we'll, might be rivals, we've got away with that a couple of times. Yeah. And we've, we've talked about the likes of uh, Wigan and uh, prior to that, obviously, Charlton and other clubs beside who've had troubles of one sort or another. We always have sympathy with all those clubs. We've been there and we understand exactly what they're feeling. What we don't understand is what Mac, Mac fans are feeling because yeah, they actually lost their club. Yeah. And Barry. Yeah. Um, so we, we wish them all the best and we hope they can have whatever they need to get, whether it's a Phoenix club or some sort of resolution there. But I mean, uh, probably closer than most. I mean, Reinhold doesn't score that goal that day. We could easily have ended up like yeah, that. Absolutely. And yeah, by, by small margins and so on. Um, Would Macclesfield still be in business if they were allowed to stay in the league rather than being relegated and pushed out by the point. Yeah, I'd be interested to know if that was the telling difference. The league club and losing that status may be yeah. the, the thing that pushed them over the edge. And if so, I hope the EFL are really proud of themselves for, for, for um, appealing against their points deduction being suspended. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just a quick word on the rest of the games from that have taken place in the first week of the season. Um, without being too cynical, probably from a Brian point of view, good news that Fulham were comfortably beaten 3-0 at home by Arsenal. Uh, West Brom were beaten comfortably at home by Leicester, same scoreline. And Leeds, despite all their good efforts, and fair play to them, they were, that was a good effort by Leeds. It was a good game to watch um, from a non-strategist point of view because the defending wasn't great. But um, entertaining game. However, for all their efforts, they lost 4-3. All three of those promoted teams have lost. Um, Southampton, I don't think would struggle, but they lost. Villa didn't play. Um, West Ham, a team that I I tipped to be comfortable-ish, um, but below us in the table. I'm now wondering if they might be one of the bottom three. Um, certainly looking at Leeds' uh, performance and looking at Villa's signings and looking at how badly West Ham started, could they be the team to go down? 2-0 at home to Newcastle, um, who scored with Callum Wilson with uh, a scruffy goal. Um, and then a pretty decent strike from Jeff Hendrick. Um, nonetheless, and we've got Newcastle next. A certain person on this show last week as one of the, I thought, best signings they made. Yes, indeed, yes. Yeah, I think both you and Robin. I think so, got a free so. transfer uh, this summer. That's a hell of a signing. And I actually think that puts Burnley in a, in a risk as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a telling difference, especially. Rumoured. Um, yeah. It was, a real, I thought, a really big part of their team the last couple of seasons. And, Hmm. and not getting any money back and having not replaced him yet. They've not bought anyone in as far as I'm aware. Yeah. Uh, if that, Tarkovsky goes, that's going to be a serious problem because they're talking about bringing in um, Dawson, aren't they, as a yeah. replacement. Quite frankly, a little bit late, late in the day for him and I could see, first of all, some disharmony um, starting yeah. to manifest itself, but yeah. also uh, just a weakness in the squad. Um, they, they're not... They're not like that. They're not someone who's going to go and spend the money as well, probably. Because mm. I mean, we got money for Dunk. I imagine we probably would have spent it. Whereas, yeah, I don't think Burnley historically are a team. No. They don't go and spend all That's the right. money. And people like our friend Jay Rodriguez, who is not a racist allegedly, um, has um, you know he he played quite well last season. He got a few goals. If he and the other strikers, like Chris Wood, apparently they're trying to get rid of those guys, were providing the goals. If they start failing to score goals especially if Tarkovsky's gone as well at the other end, they're going to start to struggle because that's really the issue we're talking about for us, isn't it? Get Chris Wood, to be honest, mainly because mm. I think he'd have gone by now. I mean, mm, true. there must be any number of Premier League teams who'd be interested in Chris Wood if he was available. Yeah, but if they lose their potency up front, they, they're going to be in the mix, aren't they, I think? Um, 
Of course, um, the two games that didn't take place were Burnley v Man U and Man City versus Villa. That's because the Manchester clubs have been given longer due to their late involvement in the European competitions last season. Um, not much to say in the EFL, Will, other than to say that, um, unfortunately, Wickham didn't get off to a winning start. They lost one at home to Rotherham. Brentford's hangover from the playoffs lost at Birmingham, who I think might do quite well. Bournemouth managed to win 3-2, which was interesting. Um, and Derby lost 2-0 at home to Reading. Yeah, Not a team I'm fancying much either, Reading, so that's a poor result, isn't it? Um, Norwich getting off to a winning start, though. Uh, Swansea, who might do quite well, did got off to a winning start as well. And can I just have a special word for uh, league newcomers? Not Barrow, unfortunately, they lost at home, but Harrogate, 4-0 away at South End, who I think will be the whipping boys this year. Nonetheless, fair play to them. Their first ever game in the Football League in any of its guises, and they've got a 4-0 away win to their name. The only disappointment to that, of course, is the fans not being there. Uh, but uh, brilliant, eh? Good start for them. Yeah, and for and Dave Shaw, an Albion fan who's from that area originally, and I think is a listener to this show, um, well done to you, because that's your second team. I'm sure you're absolutely buzzing. Just to say, before we get flooded with complaints from Barrow fans, they actually drew the weekend. They didn't lose. They did indeed, yes. I realised as I said that I got that wrong. <laughs> we get flooded with angry Barrow fans ringing. <laughs> yes, because it's bound no, to happen, really isn't it? The show. <laughs> With our nationwide appeal, uh, we would absolutely be flooded with them, wouldn't we? Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I think they've changed manager. They're going to have a, a little bit of a difficult time, I think. Barrow. Yeah, it's got Wilson, who lost yeah. their, drew their, no, lost their first. They, they did lose. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking of Ebbett losing one yeah. at home, not Barrow. But uh, yeah, I think Barrow will be okay, but they won't do as well as they would have done. But, I agree um, about South End. And then I think Stevenage obviously must be down there. I mean, they obviously were pretty poor last season. Yeah. And, uh, well, Five. I think Adam Alab was there last season, but he's a Whitehawk as player assistant manager now, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Well, up, clamp. <laughs> Excellent. Final thing then, Peter. Uh, we've, we've mentioned the Portsmouth game. Just looking ahead to Newcastle as well. We got them on Sunday lunchtime, late lunchtime. Um, how do you think we're going to do? They look good, Newcastle, but they, they're against the poor West Ham team. But they look good nonetheless. Good signings who seem to settle in well. Um, Lewis looked good. Uh, obviously, Wilson got his goal. Scruffy, though it was, that's going to give him some confidence. Um, he's on record as saying he likes scoring goals at St James's Park. Unfortunately, he's now playing for Newcastle, which doesn't bode well. Uh, how's he going to do? How are they going to do against us? Are we going to get anything from the game? And what sort of team would you put out? I think I wouldn't go that different to Saturday. I see we haven't signed anyone. I'm assuming Alana's and White are fit. I would probably go the same starting 11. Um, hmm. I just... I think Newcastle will do okay this season. I think they've got a decent. They've made some decent signings. I wonder if we can get a draw there. To be honest, I think we need something because yeah. otherwise we get Manu home and we lose that. We always lose at Everton, and suddenly you've got no points from four games, and it's a, a yeah, record. true. A bit of an Everton are looking stronger than ever now. Yeah. Um, and then you get a Palace, uh, which is a huge game already, and you've got like no points from four games. So I think yeah. we we need something. I think maybe Newcastle, judging by the day, might be better away from home than they are at home. Because the players they've got, we've got to deal with Carroll, which would be a tough one. So I thought he had a good game Saturday. Hmm. Um, Mind you, he should have got sent off twice, from what I'm hearing. I didn't see the incident. Not Andy Carroll at all, so I don't know what you're he talking said, about. He elbowed someone in the face in the first minute or something like that. And then he, he, he just got a ticking off and did it again on 16 minutes or something like that. True. That's just unlikely. <laughs> doesn't sound like him, does it? Um, people were saying he's got back in the team because um, all the clubs are closed at the moment. So he's actually, he's available and uh, fairly match sharp to play. But yeah, he, <laughs> um, he looked dangerous. And obviously Sam Maximum, Maximum is uh, pretty useful hmm. as well. So yeah. they, they, I was impressed with them, but I still think that, you know, there's chances that they, they don't seem to rate Darlow that much. And mm. without to brag, maybe there's some chance to get a goal or two for maybe the moment for Mope or for Conley. Yeah. Um, I think it feels... Feels well, like we're due a win there because we've had draws we should have won. Now, yeah. even if we don't deserve it, I think we were overdue a win. Well, two years ago we won a bit debatably, didn't we? We won one 0 with that um, when we should have had a corner or something. So maybe we've had our luck there. I, I Baron think, Kyle, wasn't it? Yeah, we're, we're technically unbeaten against them in the Premier League, so that probably means we'll lose three 0 Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a great game. That that one 0 win at Newcastle. Where that was a hell of a weekend. That was. I've said a season before, but I've not been to the last two seasons. So Yeah, that was great stuff. And one other thing I've just noticed as well, I forgot to mention, um, Shane Duffy scored for Celtic um, in a 5-0 thrashing of Ross County, the team that have three goalkeepers called Ross in their team, by the way. Um, 
and two of whom are injured, I think, at the moment. Um, yeah, 5 0 for Celtic. Edouard amongst the scorers with a fourth minute penalty, another player Albin have been linked with. Um, just thought I'd throw that one in there as well. But as for the game, the Newcastle match, any predictions on that? We think 2 1, both of us, for the Pompey game. I'm going to go for a one all draw at Newcastle. What's your take on it? Uh, I'm going to go possibly 0 0. Although mm. I just said that sounds exciting. All, yeah, could be no, no. It's normal last season. I wonder if we might there might be more room. Maybe one all wouldn't surprise me. I think mm. it'll be close. I don't think anyone will win comfortably. It'll either be a one nil one either way, or or a one all or nil nil. That's covering yeah. a lot of scores. I know. <laughs> it's going to be five four now. So I've, I've yeah. Peter Bet Hedge Marsh. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. one team will score, another team will score, or neither of them will score. Basically. Yeah. Okay. Final word for me, I'm just going to mention, and I'm going to make myself a pariah here. I did put, I put a few bets on the game um, against Chelsea. One was Havertz to score the first goal, uh, so that, that zeroed out. I did have Morpé to score at any point as well, also that zeroed out. Thanks for missing that header. And um, the other one I did go for was a 3-1 win for Chelsea. So I did make a £33 profit over the evening. I know, I know, that's not going to make me popular, but I felt I had to mention mm. it. <laughs> Peter's not my friend anymore. Oh, dear. Money, that is. <laughs> it is. proud when you spend that money. Well, I'm hoping to escalate my winnings but week by week to the point where I can, uh, I can invest in the club and throw some money around in, into our benefit. That's Buy a new striker. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Peter, it's been brilliant. There we go with our review show and our preview. We'll see what happens with these upcoming games. I may do a quick report on the Pompey game between now and the Newcastle match. Maybe, maybe not. If not, we'll all be back, I'm sure, ready to review the Newcastle match where we hope we've got at least something from the game. Till then, thank you, Peter. Yes, it's been great. Stand or fall up the Albion. Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.